Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Make connections that count at Evergreen Valley College and get free tuition when you enroll for six units or more. That's right, free tuition and no student fees this spring. EVC is an award-winning transfer college and has the fourth most diverse faculty in the country. And with EVC alum earning more money than nearly every other community college in the country, you can take classes and transfer or fast-track your career. Enroll for classes today and get free tuition for the spring. Visit evc.edu for more information and enroll for classes at evc.edu. That's evc.edu. What do you love about music? To begin with? (laughs) Everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Think back to your first love. Now what music best captures those nervous, innocent feelings? I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. Today we celebrate Valentine's Day with songs about first love. And we'll chime in on the hype surrounding pop singer Lana Del Rey. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time to share the love. And they called it puppy love. Oh, I guess they'll never know how a young heart really feels and why I love her so That is Paul Anka singing about Puppy Love Jim, nicely setting up the theme of today's show. We have been doing a Valentine's Day show almost every year since the beginning of Sound Opinions, looking at it from some pretty extreme angles in certain years. Yeah, love stinks, uh, unconventional love songs, songs to set the mood. This year's topic, Your First Love, was suggested by our production assistant, Annie Minoff, who, age-wise, is much closer to her first love than you or (laughs) I are. But uh, we are going to go down some songs that capture that unique thrill, but also the, the fear and the confusion and the kind of overwhelming rush of emotions. 
I'm going to go first, and I'm going to play a song by the police. Now, you know, Greg, I do not give much love in these parts to Sting, all right? He's a hard man, I think, to love. But this song has a personal connection to me, and I guess it was formative for me as a rock critic as well as someone coming of age. I'm a freshman in high school, and we had one of these parties where three couples get together, and I had never kissed a girl. Young Eileen was the object of my affection. And they did this thing where they kind of locked us out, and it's February, and it's like five degrees, and it's starting to snow, and we didn't have our coats, and they weren't going to let us back in until we kissed. Mm-hmm. It was a magic moment. <laughs> I walk her home after the otherwise innocent party, I'll have, you know. We were all Catholic school kids. I walk her home, and I'm walking back to my house, and it's beginning to snow. I get home, and I put on WNEW, and I hear this new song from the just-released second police album, Walking on the Moon. Walking back from your house, walking on the moon. And that's how I felt, you know. I was, like, floating above the ground, right? I will have you know that my friend then wound up dating her. He was, we were in a band, and that was also my first experience of rock and roll is bad for romance, okay? But this song endures. Sting, ever one to denigrate his own legend, says, I was drunk in a hotel room, and I was walking around singing and walking around the room, walking around the room. In a more lighthearted moment, he admitted that it was about his first love, a girl named Deborah, his first real girlfriend. I think it endures as a great tune about first love. Here it is, The Police with Walking on the Moon on Sound Opinions.
the police with Walking on the Moon back when you could still stomach Sting. <laughs> Greg, what do you have for your first love pick? Jim, I'm going to go back to the 60s in a song that I think perfectly encapsulates the rush of first love. In fact, it does it so well that it's been covered numerous times since then, perhaps most famously by Tiffany, your favorite singer from the 80s. She, oh, she took it to number course. one in 1987. But I still think the original version by Tommy James and the Shondells is the best one. I think we're alone now. What this song represents to me is you got clearly a young very young, underage couple here trying to rush off to, you know, do their thing by themselves. They're trying to find some alone time. We know they're young because they're not in a car. They're probably not old enough to drive yet. So where they end up going, we sense that this is some big field. They're frolicking in the grass or the tall grass somewhere, and we know this because the crickets jump in in the middle of the song, and you can hear the crickets <laughs> chirping in the background. What kid hasn't been there? You're looking for some place to be alone and you can't find any place. So this song sort of captures that search for that private place where you can go. And also the excitement. You can hear the beating of their hearts. The bass line in the song really makes it, really says the excitement of young love. Tommy James and the Shondells, I Think We're Alone Now, from 1967 on Sound Opinions. Children behave. That's what they say when we're together. And watch how you play. That's Tommy James and the Shondells, I Think We're Alone Now. Jim, I'm surprised you didn't jump all over that song because that was Lester Bangs' favorite bubblegum song. Well, the legendary rock critic who was the foremost champion of punk rock did yeah. love a lot of bubblegum pop, ironically the most manufactured sound in rock history. I'm going to go to the bubblegum machine next, Greg, with a song by the Partridge Family. i got to say, okay, at a certain age, Susan Day... She was my mm. crush. So I wanted to pick a song by the Partridge family. Susan Day, actually none of the Partridge family, except for David Cassidy and a little bit of allegedly Shirley Jones, are on this song. This is classic bubblegum. This is the cream of the crop of the L.A. session musicians. Hal Blaine is on drums mm -hmm. and Larry Nectal on guitar. I Think I Love You 
huge hit, the biggest hit by the Partridge family in 1970. I love the melodrama of this song. You know, I'm sleeping in the middle of a good dream and there's this paranoia and, and frightening. I don't know what this is. I'm about to be overwhelmed. And then Cassidy shouts, I think I love you, right? But there's still some trepidation in his voice because at 13, you don't know how to process all these feelings. It's as frightening as it is exciting. Anyway, you can't go wrong with the Partridge family. I think this is a classic. I think I love you on Sound Opinions. I'm sleeping and right in the middle of a good dream. Like all at once I wake up from something that keeps knocking at my brain. Before I go insane, I hold my pillow to my head and spring up in my bed, screaming out the words I dread. I think I love you. This morning I woke up with this feeling I didn't know how to deal with And so I just decided to myself I'd hide it to myself And never talk about it And did not go and shout it When you walked into the room I think I love you Against. I don't know what it's all about. I got so much to think about. One of Jim DeRogatis' favorite songs about first love, The Partridge Family, with I Think I Love You. So as we often do on Sound Opinions, we want to turn to some of you to get your favorite songs about first love. We've got Whitney on the phone in Chicago. Whitney, welcome to the show. Hi. So what song says first love to you? Well, I chose Little Trouble Girl by Sonic Youth. It's a great song about first love because... It addresses how the mother-daughter relationship is changed when a girl falls in love for the first time. I think that happens to a lot of people, but, you know, rarely do you actually hear about it in a song. Remember, Mother, we were close, very, very close. You taught me how to fit in good. Whitney, are we hearing uh, a little girl in the background there? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Okay. So this is hitting close to home. 
Well, she's only five months old, but yeah, one day I'm All sure. Right. One day, one day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people wouldn't automatically think love song, Sonic Youth. That's true. But I think it's a perfect song. She does talk about the first love, you know, how she met a guy and he stole her heart and they danced in the sand till the water rose higher and higher. Until I found myself floating in the sky. Which is a great metaphor for first love, you know, totally out of control. If you want me to, I will be the one that is always good. And you love me too, but you never know what I feel inside. Little Trouble Girl by Sonic Youth. Whitney, thank you for a fascinating choice. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. You too. Have a good Valentine's Day. Also helping us celebrate Valentine's Day is Sam in Seattle. Sam, you're on Sound Opinions. Hi. So what comes to mind when you think first love song? Well, what immediately comes to mind is when I was seven or eight years old, Saturday mornings were for going downstairs and watching cartoons. Sunday mornings were for listening to Casey Kasem's American Top 40. American, American Top 40. American Top 40 originates in Hollywood. And the spinners, working my way back to you, babe, just really stuck with me for some reason. The only love I had back then was like Ginger Rogers from Gilligan's Island. But, or, <laughs> or Ginger, Tina Louise, right? Tina Louise, but, yeah. But that just sticks in my head as, like, the first love song. I'll keep working my way back to you, babe, with a burning love inside. Yeah, I'm working my way back to you, babe, and the happiness that died, I let it take it away. Been every day. And I guess it kind of relates to Valentine's Day now. This is the second time I've been on a national public radio show. The first time, it was aired the day of my first date with someone who I got into a long-term relationship with and who I really, we're still friends, we still care about each other, and I still think she's really probably the love of my life. And on the way to our first date, she heard me on the radio. And so this is the second time. And So like I Casey Kasem, of, you're going to send this out to her? Uh, well, just, and she knows, I'm just, I'm not there, but I'm working my way back to be, like, where I need to be to be a good partner. All right, well, we're going to play this song in honor of that, and maybe she'll think kindly of you once again. Sam, that was a great choice. Thanks for being our guest on Sound Opinions. My pleasure. Thank you. We're going to continue playing great first love songs for Valentine's Day and hear more of your favorites in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
and later we'll review the debut album from controversial pop artist Lana Del Rey. Back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My Valentine, I mean my radio partner, is Greg Cott, and we are celebrating the best songs in rock history about first love here in honor of the most romantic of holidays. Greg, it's your turn to give us another pick. Jim, I think the one thing about first loves that is common to all of us is that we never forget them. You can name the person, the place, when it happened, everybody remembers that all their lives. I did. I'm still regretting <laughs> that, in fact. And that's, I guess, what Facebook is for. And I think that's what Art Brute's Eddie Argos is singing about on this song, Emily Kane. Uh, I think it is one of the great first love songs, in part because it's written from the perspective of a much older person looking back right. on that first love. He can't forget Emily Kane. He also describes it very well. We just heard the Beatles talking about, I want to hold your hand. And that's really kind of where it starts, right? It's yeah. just very very innocent and very tender and you know we're just holding hands and he's describing holding hands and these awkward clumsy kisses with this first date as the height of his love life he has never been able to equal it since all been downhill since yeah (laughs) exactly and he's writing a tribute song to that first love emily kane he names her in the title he mentions her several times in the song and one line he sings, I hope this song finds you fame. I want school kids on buses singing your name. <laughs> Eddie Argos of Art Brute once again outdoing himself as a comedic gentleman of the first order. This is Art Brute with Emily Kane on Sound Opinions. I was your boyfriend when we were 15. It's the happiest that I've ever been. Even though we didn't understand how to do much more than just hold hands, there's so much about you I miss. The clumsy way we used to kiss I wish I convinced you You've made a mistake If memory serves We're still on a break Other girls went And other girls came I can't get over My old friend I'm still in love with Emily Kane Every girl That I've seen since Looks just like you When I squint I know you said It's for the best I still don't understand why you left So much about you I miss Every 
every time I see a couple kiss, I hope this song finds you fame. I want school kids on buses singing your name. Don't even know where she lives. I've not seen her in ten years. Nine months, three weeks, four days, six hours, thirteen minutes, five seconds. Great heart brute with Emily Kane on Sound Opinions. Greg, every time I hear that song, I always want to know, what does Emily think now? <laughs> and how does she remember Eddie Argos? A completely different style for my next pick, but exactly the same theme. I am shocked, shocked, I tell you, that we are this far into the show and you have not gone to the R&B well yet. Mm. I'm going to beat you there. I mean, there is no better sound for love songs, let's just face it. And R&B is lousy with great choices about first loves. I think what's interesting about my pick, it's by Avant, it's a duet with Kiki Wyatt from 2000. It was a huge hit called My First Love, right there in the title. You know, Avant is a big disciple of R. Kelly, and yet he is much more old school, both sonically in terms of the lushness of the production, no electronic edge, and in terms of him being, like you said, of Eddie Argos, a gentleman. This is, in fact, stating the most obvious thing anybody could say about First Love long as I live, you will be my first love, right? I mean, number one is always number one. That's why we remember it, right? There's not going to ever be a replacement for the first. The first is the first. Here is a wonderful, lush, and beautiful song. Kiki Wyatt, a wonderful voice. She really brings up, I think, Myron Avant's game. Avant and Kiki Wyatt, my first love on Sound Opinions. Silhouette of a perfect frame of your smile will always remain always remain beginners in love soon phase away oh baby we go on I will long as I live you will be Yeah. 
That was Avant and Kiki Wyatt with My First Love. Greg, I am eager to hear what you have next. Well, thanks, Jim. I'm eager to play it. This is a song that has a great social message in it as well as being a great pop song. It's the Shirelles with Will You Love Me Tomorrow, a great song written by the legendary songwriting team of Jerry Goffin and Carole King in the early 60s, and I think one of their absolute best. You know, I have a couple of daughters. I know you do too, Jim. One of the things that my wife and I always talk to them about is the guys are walk away. The girls are left with the consequences. You know, they have some big decisions to make. They yeah. have to bear a lot of responsibility, I think, at a much earlier age than the guys do. Spoken like a true dad. Be yeah. smart out there, right? And I think that's what Goffin and King are, are communicating in this song. It's a young woman making uh, what in many ways is the first major decision in her life. She's saying, are you still going to love me tomorrow? If I give myself over to you tonight, are you still going to be there for me next week? It's a song of tremendous yearning and anxiety for this young woman as she faces this turning point in her life. So, yes, young love, but also the consequences of young love being dealt with by this teenage girl in this song, as portrayed by Shirley Owens. Magnificent vocal performance by the Shirelles. So here it is. Will You Love Me Tomorrow, sometimes known as Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, by the Shirelles on Sound Opinions. Shirelles with Will You Love Me Tomorrow on Sound Opinions. Jim, let's go back to the phones to hear from some of our listeners. Richard's on the line in Lakewood, Ohio. Richard, great to have you with us. Thank you. Okay, so you're, uh, you are you need a soundtrack for the first love of your life. What's it going to be? Well, I, I sort of went a little bit negative and, and <laughs> went with Scene of a Perfect Crime by Concrete Blonde. Wow, wow. We, we never go to the dark side here on Sound <laughs> Opinions, Richard. <laughs> I felt I could do it on this show. There you go. <laughs> What's your logic here? You know, actually, it was a song that 
that I'd heard and then I had sort of a bad breakup and it suddenly popped into my mind. You know, the thing about first loves is they're usually not the last love, you know, so that means they've got to go wrong at some point. Mm -hmm. That's true. And this song is about looking back on that first love and the fact that it's kind of a perfect crime because you can never be that innocent again. Uh, you can never be hurt that way again. You know, and, and it sounds sort of like a lament. It's a lament for a time that you can't get back to. All right, all right, I'm buying that. Let's hear a little bit of Jeanette Napolitano and Concrete Blonde. Whatever became of the child I was, you know, I never Concrete Blonde's music always kind of gave me a little creepy kind of vibe. I always thought of vampires whenever I hear one of their songs. And, and then <laughs> You are definitely putting a unique spin on our celebration of first love songs. I appreciate that very much, Richard. Well, I'm glad I could help. Our final guest critic is Kathy from Portland, Oregon. Kathy, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi, thank you. So tell us about a song that uh, says first love to you. Well, I thought of 13 by Big Star. Love the choice. Yeah, just because it's really innocent, like first love. And then the lyrics, I just imagine this this shy teenage boy asking a girl, won't you let me walk you home from school? Won't you let me meet you at the pool? And maybe we can go to the dance. And then he even complains about her overprotective dad, which is so typical. So it just really sounds like first love. <laughs> Won't you let me walk you home from school? Won't you let me meet you at the pool? Maybe Friday I can get tickets for the dance now take you Ooh. so Kathy was there anybody who was getting tickets for the dance uh, when you were 13 well I had the typical romance with the boy across the street for middle school and high school and he walked me home from school uh. so yeah I guess I did live that <laughs> Rock and roll is here to stay Come inside well it's okay Now Thirteen by Big Star and a terrific choice, Kathy. Thanks for sharing with us. All right, thank you very much. 
Okay, Greg, ball's back in our court. We've each got one more great song about first love for Valentine's Day. I am going to go with Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Now, often when we do these kind of shows, one or the other of us go to Neil Young. Why? <laughs> I will tell you. I, I, there hasn't been a moment, an emotion, a pivotal event in my life for which Neil Young has not written a perfect <laughs> song. But this one, he didn't write. Early 60s, East Los Angeles, there's a Chicano band named the Premiers. These guys are a tough street gang of a band. They record, in the wake of Louie Louie being a hit by the Kingsmen, a tune called Farmer John. It winds up immortalized on the first Nuggets album put together by Lenny Kay. It epitomizes that wonderful period of just pre-psychedelic garage rock in America and one-hit wonders. Whatever became of the Premiers, nobody knows, but Neil Young loved them. And when he puts Crazy Horse back together for one of those periodic reunions in 1990 to make the wonderful album Ragged Glory, he covers, and it's rare for him to do any cover, Farmer John by the Premiers. What I love about this song, this is the young guy trepidatiously going up to knock on the door of the father. And there's that moment, you know, I'm here to take your daughter out <laughs> to see a movie. You know? And he's like, Farmer John, he's saying, I'm in love with your daughter, okay? <laughs> and then it all breaks down. You hear Crazy Horse in the background going, oh, oh, right? It's, it's, there are certain moments that are just wordless and the kind of pure moan of trepidation, fear, and angst is what takes over. And that's what I love about this cover. You get these old, grizzled... I mean, Crazy Horse is the most old and cynical and grizzled band in the universe, right? Mm -hmm. And there they are howling with the romantic frustrations of a young boy. Crazy Horse... Farmer John on Sound Opinions. Farmer John. John, I'm in love with your daughter. Oh. 
Neil Young and Crazy Horse with Farmer John. The other line I love in that song is, I'm in love with your daughter, you know, the one with the champagne eyes. Mm -hmm. As if there's a whole bunch of daughters there, (laughs) but only one has champagne eyes. Greg, you've got one more first love anthem for us. Yes, I do, Jim, and I saved the heaviest one for last. This is a pretty heavy song about a pretty heavy theme. It is taken from a 1999 movie soundtrack. The movie was The Virgin Suicides. It's based on an equally heavy early 90s novel. It's about these five sisters who end up killing themselves. And intertwined with that is their relationship with some high school boys that they meet that particular year. The key relationship in the movie is one between the, one of the daughters, Lux, and the most popular guy in the high school, a guy named Trip. They end up going to the homecoming dance together. All the sisters go. It's a big night out for these girls and for these boys. Trip and Lux end up going off alone. They end up having a romantic tryst in the football field after the dance. When she wakes up in the morning, Trip is gone, and she has to go home by herself. And you can see the tragic turn in her life. So she meets this guy, falls in love with him. It's obviously the first love she's ever had in her life, and he ends up leaving her on this football field. It's a, it's a terrible moment for her life, and as I said, the five girls end up committing suicide in the movie. The movie was directed by Sofia Coppola in 1999, and she chose to do the soundtrack a French electropop duo, Air, who did a wonderful job in encapsulating the themes of the movie in this one particular song that I'm going to play called Playground Love. It is sung, I think, Jim, from the perspective of Tripp, looking back on that relationship with Lux many years later and kind of blaming himself a little bit, I think, for what happened to her. So it's a sort of a tragic twist on the whole first love, first crush songs that we have been playing. One other side note to this, Sofia Coppola directed the movie. Thomas Mars of Phoenix was the lead singer on the song, playground love and he later on married Sofia Coppola and they've had a couple of kids since then so one thing turned out nicely for people involved in this movie yeah because otherwise you were bumming me out yeah Jim I can understand that but as loss of innocence first love songs go I think it's one of the best out there it's air with playground love on sound opinions
Playground Love by Air. That was Greg's last Valentine's Day 2012 song selection. What tunes bring you back to your first love? Share your songs and stories at 888-859-1800. You can also get in on the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. When we return after a quick break, Greg and I will review the chart-topping new album by Lana Del Rey. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Fast car whistling my name Open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim Dirigatis and that is a little bit of Lana Del Rey with a song called Video Games. The song that put her on the map for many people last year and is one of the first singles released from her debut album Born to Die, which we are about to review. Alana Del Rey, wow. You know, if you have turned on your computer any time in the last month, you cannot avoid this woman. People or your have, television. That's true. People have been talking about her. She has been a lightning rod for a number of conversations about hype and marketing in pop music. People dying to debate issues like authenticity, feminism, style versus substance are all tossing Lana Del Rey around. This has become one of the most Googled names in the business in the last two months. Now, what's the real story here? Lana Del Rey, originally, her name was Lizzie Grant, grew up in upstate New York, had sort of a troubled childhood, went to New York City to frame a career as a singer-songwriter, started playing in coffee houses, uh, writing original songs. She released an album under the aegis of producer David Kahn on a small record label. David Kahn, a guy who's a pretty heavy hitter in the industry, has worked with everyone from Wilco to Paul McCartney, so he liked what he heard. But Lizzie Grant wasn't too happy with the results on the album. She pulled that record off the market and sort of refashioned herself as, quote-unquote, the gangster Nancy Sinatra. Hmm. Named herself Lana Del Rey and resurfaced last year with a couple of really arresting videos. Kind of these pop chanteuse in the 3 a.m. lounge singing these very dreamy kind of ballads over some interesting production touches. We're going to talk about that in a minute. 
But the point is that she became one of the most talked about people in the business last year. Interscope Records signed her, and with that label, she created her debut album, Born to Die. Here's a track from it, Blue Jeans on Sound Opinions. That's Lana Del Rey with Blue Jeans on Sound Opinions. Her first album, Born to Die, debuted at number two. She's singing, you know, you're no good for me, but baby, I want you, I want you. And Greg, I'm having a hard time buying that. She reminds me of Olivia Newton-John after the bad girl makeover in the movie version of Grease, except she's not even nearly as convincing as Olivia Newton-John was. People keep saying the gangster Nancy Sinatra. I'm not buying it. I think what she was really going for is a combination of Julie Cruz, you know, the singer Mm. of those David Lynch soundtracks, that wonderful floating, ethereal, ambient, string-drenched lushness, Mm. and Lily Allen, the street-smart, wise-cracking, hip-hop-tinged British pop star. But she doesn't have Lily's sense of humor, and she doesn't have Julie's voice, and that is the main problem. Forget about this debate about authenticity. Everybody invents themselves in Mm -hmm. rock and roll. That's what it's made for, right? You know, I don't care where she came from. I care that she can't sing. You know, she's got a very narrow range, but even that could be overcome if only there was some passion in her voice, and there isn't. You just don't believe these seductive come-ons, and you just don't believe either all of her boasting about bling. What she's taken from hip-hop, the entirety of it is, I've got money, and I like nice things. I've got to say, on the buy it, burn it, trash it scale, nothing to do with the debate in the media. This is just no fun to listen to. It's a trash it record. Well, I think people are dumping on Lana Del Rey because she's a punching bag for a lot of their feelings about 
marketing and hype and also the way women are specifically are marketed in pop music. I think there's some positives here. I, I actually think that when she put out those videos last year, I was more than semi-intrigued by them. I thought they were they were very well done. I thought the songs were there. I thought her voice was cool, if only because it was so different from all the other pop divas out there. You know, the fact that you can be sultry and subtle, that was a refreshing change from Lady Gaga or, or, or Katy Perry. Also, I love the production on this record. A guy named Emile Haney, who's worked with people like Kid Cudi in the past, he has done a nice job of creating this kind of spaghetti western type of soundtrack atmosphere. You know, very much in keeping with what I think what Portishead was doing in the 90s. I'm hearing him updating that sort of very atmospheric sound for Lana Del Rey. But that said, Jim, once you start paying attention to what's going on in these songs, you realize, you know, there's a lot of cliches here. She's not really digging beyond the surface of what she's trying to get at. You know, this whole kind of bad girl, good girl dichotomy. She's attracted to the to the bad guys, you know, the guys in motorcycle jackets, you know, the James Deans, et cetera, of the world. We've been there before. I mean, go all the way back to the Crystal singing, he hit me and it felt like a kiss, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, girls have been attracted to bad guys for a long time. I mean, Amy Winehouse, you know, yep. was doing this kind of thing better a few years ago. The cliches really start to pile up in these songs. She's very submissive. I think if, if, if I'm a woman listening to these songs, I'm kind of a little bit offended by the fact that she can't stand up for herself. You know, she's constantly at the feet of these guys rather than being a little bit more assertive. But that's not the biggest problem. As you said, there's something here that's a little samey about a lot of these songs, and eventually they all start to blend together. She's not really an original. She wants to be, but she's not getting there. In, in fact, the cliches at the end make this a very mediocre record. I'd say there are two or three songs on here that really jump out. Everything else is kind of very forgettable. So for me, it's a burn-it record. So that's a Trash It From Me, a Burn It From Greg for Lana Del Rey. Mr. Cott, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to look at 1967 Part 2 and how it changed rock and roll. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions was produced by Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn with the able assistance of Annie Minoff. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, his first love is radio. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, Jim and Greg. It's Vaughn calling from the East Coast. I just wanted to thank you for the Debbie Harry interview. That was really wonderful to hear her. I think that Blondie is underrated. I wanted to tell you guys a story about that. I was five years old. I got the cassette tape of the best of Blondie, and I had my little Fisher-Price, my first radio or whatever it was, and I played that best of Blondie until the tape wore out. And I still get goosebumps hearing the beginning of Heart of Glass or Dreaming. I mean, I was five years old, so I had no idea about what rap was, what rock was, what disco was. It was just that old Duke Ellington, if it sounds good, it is good. 
All right. Well, thank you for your show. I really appreciate it. I just want to tell you guys, go Debbie Harry. Bye. Hey, guys, this is Steve calling from Chicago. Just finished listening to your first show on the music of 1967. I turned 18 in April of 1967, graduated high school. The music was certainly an incredible part of the whole cultural phenomena, the dynamic of what was taking place socially. I think of it less of a summer of love and more as a summer of revolution. I think that your show uh, touched on a lot of some of the most interesting parts of it, but I think it's important to understand that this was fueled by social unrest, and the music was reflective of that. Love your show. Keep on rocking, and I'll keep listening. Thanks. Sitting on the hillside, watching all the people die. I'll feel much better on the other side. Hey guys, this is Nando. I am currently in Los Angeles and I'm calling to say thank you so much for the awesome show about 1967. I am a child of the 80s. I'm from 1981, so I didn't get to experience any of that firsthand. However, I've been incredibly fascinated about the 60s, especially that era specifically. First of all, love forever changes. I feel like all my life I've been waiting to to find out about this record, and it's so sad that it that only happened now. It's so rare to hear something that's at the same time political and poetic. I'm looking forward to the next episode, and I, I do hope that uh, one day in the future, my kids will look back in the days that I lived and say, wow, I wish I had lived in that in those days, because I sincerely feel like I belong back then. <laughs> so anyways, thanks, guys. Bye. Life goes on here. Hey, this is Randy Blazek in Portland, Oregon, Colin. I really love the show about the album really sort of kicking off in 1967. I've got a theory uh, in my new novel about how in the seventh year of every decade, there are two albums, one from the pop and one from the underground that reflect important trends of what's going on in that decade. And as you so uh, adroitly uh, identified that in 1967, it's Sgt. Pepper's and Velvet Underground. And then in 77... We get Saturday Night Fever and the Sex Pistols. In 87, I argue, it's U2's The Joshua Tree, Public Enemies, Yo Bum Rush the Show. And then 97, the Spice Girls for the pop album, yes, the Spice Girls. And then Radiohead's OK Computer for the Underground. And then in 2007, you know, the whole album thing kind of falls apart because of iTunes. So I really appreciate you guys reaffirming my theory about the seventh year of the decade. Enjoy listening to you every week. Thanks. No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. 
Introducing the Dunkin' Run. A dollar donut with any medium coffee. A whole new era of... I'm going on a Dunkin' Run. You want anything? Yeah, maybe a jelly donut and an iced coffee. You got it. Ooh, wait, actually glazed donut and a hot coffee. Mm. Okay, <clears throat> back on track. Make it a Dunkin' Run. Get a $1 donut with any medium coffee. America runs on Dunkin'. Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffees. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.